probably time for you to go to bed, old man. <laughs> no, you're cool. Previously on Watch and Talk. She's a narc, man. <laughs> and Dunkaroos is my childhood. Here's the important question. Goldfish or cheddar bunnies? Oh, boy. Yeah, it's like the upper pectorals and neck. Twixt, bro. Twixt. Welcome to season one, episode 10 of Watch and Talk. This is an episode called In Excelsius Dio that we watched this week. That's Latin. Does anybody know what it means? I, for, I meant to look it up, but I didn't. It means to God in the highest. Hmm. It's, it's, it's part of a Latin phrase, Gloria, glory to God in the highest. But for some reason, they did not include that Gloria part. Is it a Christmas phrase? So this is the Christmas episode. Not particularly. Episode. Isn't it from like a, like a prayer or some kind of thing? Some kind of prayer. Yeah. But I it's think... like, they don't mean highest, like, like it's like the most excellent. I think it means the most high. Yeah. But high in like an like a sense of excellence it's not like a drug high this episode starts on christmas eve eve it's 7 30 a.m and they're planning the like white house decorations for christmas this year hold up previously on all oh, right previously on sam, sam this week um yeah it's a sam one uh there was a funny <laughs> thing in the previously on thing they included sam asking Lori for her sandwich i noticed that too <laughs> yep. and i was like i hope that means this episode is going to be about sharing sandwich food. centric yeah or sandwiches yeah. or just like community but food no, it wasn't nope none of it Mm-mm. it's weird that that's their go-to scene to remind people that they're like close why wouldn't it be the scene where they're like in bed together from the pilot they're not re- in a relationship anymore so i think they don't necessarily want to imply that they're dating anymore they're just platonic now that's the closest you can be with someone that's platonic is sharing a sandwich Sandwich. yeah like stealing their sandwich that's like another level of friendship is sandwich sharing i think i think us we guys were like almost there yeah i could share a sandwich Sandwich i'm not not like yet but almost i'll i don't i'll share a sandwich with anyone is that do i have intimacy issues and that's the opposite of intimacy issues you're kind of like a sandwich whore. Wait, did you not like sandwiches? <laughs> What's going on here? No, he'll like no, share I'll, a sandwich yeah. with everyone. Right, but don't you want to eat oh. your sandwich? No, I want to try their sandwich. Oh, you want to? Yeah, oh, swapsies. Say, yeah, oh, swapsies. I just want all the. I don't think that was implied. Oh. Mm-hmm. So Mandy is planning the Christmas events. She can't decide between Dickensian and Santa Claus theme. They will have both. You think? You think they'll clash? They might. Sam comes up and he gives a little bit of background. Who's playing Santa? Al Roker. Playing Santa? What's wrong with that? Went on a diet. How do you know these things? I read. We'll pat him if we have to. Which is some nice cross-promotion for the NBC Universal family of television programs, the True. Today Show. Sammy Sosa's coming, we find out, which I guess I think he would be banned from the White House now. Unless he brought steroids for everyone. <laughs> sure. Well, also with the uh, Al- For those not that don't know, he's a sports guy. Yeah, I don't know that. Um, but for Al Roker, he like mentions that he lost a bunch of weight. And so it's weird that he's playing Santa. Yeah, Mandy says they're gonna st- stuff some cotton in his yeah. suit. And then also, I just love is that how racist? That was the joke, <laughs> I think. And then to cover the joke, to cover the racist joke, he's like, "Oh, he's not uh, heavy enough." I did want to know. I think um, between Santa and Dickensian, uh, that Dickensian wins because I think this is a Dickensian themed episode. In that it's a downer of an episode. It's a real boring. No, Dickensian. <laughs> uh, you know, like Christmas it's like scene. Charles Dickens. Yeah, that guy. 
but specifically like i looked it up on the internet uh dickensian means like uh, to deal with poverty and social justice and we have that major i think the major subplot the christmas subplot is uh is toby being all social justicey that's true and poverty he's a social justice warrior he's one of yeah Mm -hmm. also i love the white house when it's decorated for christmas that kind of will make me like any episode. Just like Charlie does later. <laughs> this place looks great, doesn't it? Yeah. I've never seen a Christmas look like this. The trees and the lights and everybody singing. I know. He's so stoked I, about it. Yeah, I am Charlie in this episode. Like, it's just so pretty. If they just put garland and just like, Charlie. twinkly lights everywhere, I would just... <laughs> I didn't see any Hanukkah no. stuff. Well, I think that's why Toby's such a downer in this episode. Yeah. Well, Hanukkah Jewish. usually would have passed by then, right? I'd like to see some Hanukkah. Sam is writing a speech about the coming of the new millennium, and him and Toby have an argument about whether the millennium actually starts in the year 2000 or in the year 2001. It's not the new millennium, but I'll just let it drop. It is. It's not the new millennium. The year 2000 is the last year of the millennium. It's not the first year of the next one. But the common sensibility, to quote Stephen Jay Gould. Stephen Jay Gould needs to look at a calendar. Gould says this is a largely unresolvable issue. I, I go 2000 there. Um, did you guys celebrate the 2000 or 2001 millennium? Well, we cel- I like celebrated the year 2000 because that's a fun number, but I knew that the millennium started in 2001. No, it's yeah. just we were the class. I think I was the class of 2001. I so, was as well. Yeah. So for me, that was the thing because it was more special. And it taught, you know, it spoke of how is that which is what you told yourself how special I am. So that <laughs> right. was the that was what I was leaning to always. No, also, was, it has the yeah. benefit of being technically true and correct. Which I'm, is good. I'm, with, I'm with Sam here though because any position like that that you have to explain kind of goes against the purpose of it. Right, especially because all of these round numbers in you know ten digits are meaningless anyway. Did did the year they didn't count year one at they didn't call it year one when no. it happened right so it's all, <laughs> all like right, here we go guys <laughs> yeah. this is the first one ever well it's like <laughs> jesus is a baby he's born <laughs> <laughs> all right so it's already like kind of a backronymy type thing in the first place yeah well i mean yeah that that's an extra layer of arbitrariness is that well depending on your perspective is that uh the whole thing it starts counting from jesus anyway Yep. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's very Christmassy. Look at that. Yeah. Dickensian. <laughs> <laughs> Ginger comes up to Toby and tells him that he has a phone call from the DC police who are looking for him and he doesn't know what it's for and he's kind of worried about it. And then at the end of the scene, CJ overhears that her Secret Service code name is Flamingo. Flamingo is on her way. Wait, what did you call? What did he call me? Oh, it's so good. That's been, a really good name for her. And I've been wanting to talk about this since we came up with our Secret Service names, but I didn't want to spoil Brayden. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I did want to say, I at this point in the episode, I paused and I came up with bird Secret Service names for the rest of the crew. Oh, okay. nice. So what I have here is for Leo, he's the owl. Um, Josh is a cockatoo. <laughs> Um, that's, yeah. that's great. Sam is Kingfisher, and Toby is a penguin. <laughs> I could see that. That's what I did. Are penguins birds? It's birdish. Well, is he like the yeah. penguin with the big eyebrows and kind of looks grumpy? That's the one. What about a blue-footed booby? Mm-mm. President's eagle, I assume. That didn't. Those didn't come up on my Google search of t- different kinds of birds. <laughs> did you just search list of different kinds of birds? Yeah. <laughs> nice. 
Um, so we also, when we came up with our secret service names, that was the one episode that Jason didn't do with us. So he has to still come up with his name. Do you have one? No, but uh, if the audience wants to provide some suggestions for my secret service name, uh, that'd be much appreciated. <laughs> well, I, okay. We're going to go with whatever they pick though. And you got to live fine. with it. Yeah. So I, no, that's great. Okay. Okay. I'm sure they'll be incredibly magnanimous and accurate. So listeners, you know, write into us on the Twitter, the Facebooks and everything and give us a secret service name for Jason. He is a six foot three ginger. After that, we get the titles. Uh, nothing, nothing particularly noteworthy about those. And then we have the National Mall, a couple loving shots of different memorials. There's a lot of them of the Vietnam Memorial. It's a pretty cool memorial. It's a little spooky and it's like you kind of feel like you're like in the in the shit with the soldiers. Totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Toby walks up to Lieutenant Daniels from The Wire, who, <laughs> who must be just be on loan from Baltimore PD at the time <laughs> up in D.C. And the first thing he does is shows Toby like a dead body. <laughs> He's like, hey, kid, you want to see a dead body? Here, look <laughs> at this. Um, and he asks if Toby has ever seen uh this guy before and toby says no and then he says his name is walter huffnagel huffnagel walter i'm gonna give the sorkin name of the week award too <laughs> this week that's definitely the greatest name they came up with mm-hmm. jewish <laughs> huffnagel <laughs> made up yeah <laughs> probably made up. alien <laughs> <laughs> can we also talk about like so the a coat like coats are a theme in this that toby gave um his coat to the goodwill and that's how this guy ended up with his business card. Oh, Goodwill, the very Christmassy. How yeah, about that? Yeah, very, very oh. Dickensian. Mm-hmm. And so all of the coats that they're wearing are like enormous on them. And I know this is the style like in the late mm, Definitely 90s, was the style of the time. But it kind of looks like no matter how broad-shouldered these guys are, that they're wearing like their dad's coat and their children. Yeah, Josh is always wearing a giant yeah. blazer. Sam wears way too big of clothes for himself. Yeah, I, I just think it looks so goofy. Are we going to look back i mean we're definitely going to look back at today's fashion be like why did it fit like why did we wear clothes that fit that was so weird how we styled it so that the clothes fit (laughs) that's so strange we started all wearing baggy jumpsuits what a crazy fad do you think it's gonna go back to baggy again that's it has to change it always changes i don't think it's like people wore baggy stuff in the 90s because they were like oh baggy it looks hot it was more like the ethos, like the post grunge. It was ethos. the show off how much fabric they could afford. <laughs> that and, and but it was also like, do you know I how many kids I'm not trying to sh- like made look this good. shit? Had to sew with their tiny hands. Yeah, two days to make these jinkos. <laughs> Toby doesn't recognize this guy, and then the guy's like, "Okay, this clears it up." And then Toby asks like a couple leading questions. Listen, this isn't a crime scene, is it? Which made me really suspicious that Toby might have actually murdered this guy. <laughs> He's like, uh, "So what do you what are you guys thinking? Is this uh, is this a crime scene? What's going on here?" And then he you got any suspects? Is it me? Do you know, what do you think? Can, can I get that card back? <laughs> that you've like, I've got an alibi if you need one. Um, and then the guy he asked why there's no ambulance here yet. Um, it's been like what an hour and a half or something, and. The guy says it's just a long delay for an ambulance and that this isn't a priority. And then Toby asks if he's going to call the VA because he looks at his arm and he sees like half of a tattoo on the guy's arm and can identify like the branch or the specific like division of the Marines that he was in somehow. Tattoo on his forearm. It's Marine Battalion, 2nd of the 7th. 
guy was in Korea. You didn't know Toby's the tattoo mentalist. That was it, <laughs> like, it was impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Was, like, oh, really he knows him. He knows them all. Yeah, it was a faded tattoo under a bunch of arm hair that he could see half of on a dead guy. And he's like, that's the second battalion, third division, fourth commander. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was something on the West Wing. They always do this uh, as, as more military people come in. Every time they always make a deal about like identifying the insignia. And I, I can't tell any of it apart. No. <laughs> and I guess they just are around these people all the time. So maybe they can. But that uh, that struck me as really weird. Uh, the guy doesn't really care though. D- Daniels, he just thinks We're it's. calling him Daniels. I don't sure. think he gets a real name. Yeah, yeah. It's the same character. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, we're not going to use his name from that other show he was in that I've already forgotten. What other show was he in? Wasn't he in Lost? Lost? Yeah. I think, oh. he, yeah. I think he was. Mm. We forgot. The late, yeah. Like the later seasons where yeah. you're like, this Point is a good Point made. Got it. After that, uh, that's where they leave it. Like, Toby's just kind of a little depressed or something about this guy and then they have don and josh uh she hands a list of the christmas presents that she wants josh to buy her i prepared a list of christmas gift suggestions yes ski pants ski boots ski hats ski goggles ski gloves ski poles i'm assuming you already have skis page two right even though uh we learned that she doesn't know how to ski she just wants all the gear for it I'm totally guilty of this personally. I, I buy <laughs> gear for stuff and then use it once and then never touch it again. But I need to. I need to get the best gear. You, uh, you like, have to set yourself up for success. Yeah, you know? motivate yourself to do it. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to go out there and fail and be like, "What if I had had better skis? Would I have been better?" And like, what if I don't have the appropriate apres ski boots waiting for me after I ski? <laughs> Everything will be ruined. I'm really into apres ski. So. What is that? It's like after ski. It's like what you wear after skiing. So like, Ooh. oh, it's, it's can you do that before wear? ski? It's basically like. So you're saying like the French word après? Yeah, après ski. It's like very rich people. Like aperitif. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah. No, well, this is different. This I is clothes. Aperitif is that like? That's before, a before. That's a before yeah, dinner thing. Après. Then then no. Yeah. I don't know the exact translation, but it means like after skiing. And so it's sort of like lodge wear and like kind of like big comfy boots and stuff. It's what you would wear between the sitting in front of the fire and going to the hot tub. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Mm. But it's always really glamorous. So and comfy. Josh goes into Leo's office and Leo and Margaret have like a little Santa's workshop going on there and <laughs> neither one of them is happy about it. Who the hell is this guy and why do I care if he has a Merry you Christmas? Just sign the damn thing. But Leo just has a huge gift list. Um, ex- she deadpans this line so great. We like to spread holiday cheer. Yeah. It's very Christmassy. They're so funny. This whole episode, that dynamic like, continues and it's so great. Yeah, they're they're definitely bickering like a married couple a lot leo's kind of like replaced his wife with margaret basically (laughs) she she walks out because josh comes in and they have a talk about the lillian field drug thing from last week and josh wants to do what he calls a preemptive strike on lillian field sam knows a girl i've heard rumors i want to talk to her assuming that somebody in the republican caucus had hired her before and then they can use it it should have been pretty obvious that the way that they met her i guess he didn't realize he had met her but like there's a lot of democrats that would have be susceptible to this too but 
they don't think about this. And Leo shoots it down right away anyways. I don't want it in my pocket. I don't want it in your pocket, Sam's pocket, and I sure don't want it in the president's pocket. Lillian Field's coming down the mountain, Leo. This is no joke. You don't have to tell me it's no joke, Josh. It's my life. All I'm saying is we don't do these things. He tells him not to do it, but it's pretty obvious that Josh is going to later. And then Leo tells Josh about this hate crime that happened. A gay high school senior. He got beaten up. And they stripped him naked, tied him to a tree, and threw rocks and bottles at his head. You know how old the assailants were? Thirteen. It's supposed to yeah. be sort of like the Matthew Shepard situation. Yes, actually. Yeah, definitely. Um, I read on the internet, specifically the website Wikipedia, yeah. that it was indeed confirm that this was specifically it was, like, inspired, by that. inspired. Yeah, a, def a definite reference, which that that case in uh, Laramie, Wyoming, led to hate crimes legislation. Right. So on that note, um, they sort of, he's telling Josh, because they're after the break for the holidays, they're going to have to revisit hate crime legislation. And this kind of really bothered me because they were going to put out a feeler to the press through CJ to see what the reaction was and then decide like how hard they were going to go on this. Yeah, I, I get that's like probably how politics works, but it seems so heartless. Well, I kind of had a problem with the internal logic of this because I don't think any of them would necessarily be for trying these 13 year olds as adults under hate crime legislation in the first place. Right. So using a test case as a rallying cry for a law that it wouldn't apply to seems kind of odd you could do the same episode of like these 13 year olds committed this crime and they want to try them as adults. this you could see the same character saying there's a reason that we say 18 is an adult and these kids should have juvenile whatever prison mentoring whatever and not to prosecute them under federal hate crimes legislation because they're too young at the same time they want to use that as like the basis to pass a sweeping hate crime bill that wouldn't apply to these kids this episode really bothers me on the hate crime stuff because First of all, it's a giant straw man about that debate. So there is a debate about hate crimes legislation, whether it's okay to criminalize thought. And that's like a separate argument from the way it's presented here, because you don't necessarily have to try them as adults. Some hate crimes legislation proposes just a higher severity. So in the same way that you have like first degree murder, second degree murder, manslaughter hate crime murder negligent homicide there'd be depending on your motivations a higher level of wrongdoing for ha being motivated by racial animus or bigotry or whatever and that's something that society is perfectly free to do in the same way that premeditated murder is deemed to be more heinous than heat of heat of passion murder so you're in favor of thought crime yes because every single crime has a component of intent this is just like it. that film. Oh, yeah. Now, the difference is... No. It's not just There's thought. no difference. So you can think all sorts of terrible, bigoted, racist things, but then when you do an act that's illegal, oh. motivated based on that, then it's, then it's a me, crime. Jason, does your mom know you hate gays? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. That's an uh, interesting way of framing the validity of hate crimes legislation because nobody in the episode makes that argument at all you just kind of get the basic version of we shouldn't legislate what's in people's minds yes we should they don't really have anyone make a real argument for it so the only right people cj just makes kind of an appeal to emotion 
or or vengefulness. So there's a lot of reasons why you have, you know, criminal laws and punishment for crimes. And one of them is like people want vengeance, but there's also deterrence. And there's also like sort of a feeling of kind of objective justice. And no one ever makes an argument that hate crimes legislation is completely compatible with our existing criminal justice system, like it or dislike it or have criticisms of it or whatever. Instead, they're just like, you know, we just want to react to this particular news story and like the 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 feeling of injustice we get from it. After that, there's a CJ press conference and she's getting a lot of questions about this. And she does the for, I think for the first time she she does this thing that really annoys me on the West Wing where she acts like a news service for things that she has nothing to do with. So somebody asked her a question like we heard about this and then she gives it's for the audience for them to give some backstory on stuff. But she basically is acting like a news anchor reading the events that are happening on the ground to the, the press. His name is Lowell Lydell. He's 17 years old. He's in critical condition at St. Paul Memorial Hospital with a severely fractured skull, massive internal hemorrhaging, and various broken bones and lacerations. We'll keep you updated through local authorities. And they're sitting there, like, taking notes on it as if they don't know these things, or she wouldn't have learned it from them in a way. This is actually pre-Twitter. But not so pre, like, wire services. She and, things. She and then might she, know things. And then she says, like, we'll keep you in, like updated throughout the day at the end of it, too. It, it just it's, it strikes me as odd. It's obviously a plot contrivance for well, just in some situations, getting though, the backstory out. Like, I guess things that are being released by the White House, like if it's I don't know, it's sensitive material like Associated Press would be getting their information from the White House. But this sometimes. is a local thing in what is it, Illinois or something it's it's like in right. the midwest it's not a federal crime yet like it's there's no That's way it would have bubbled up to that it just, I don't know, it's just weird i think it's it's definitely more of a it's a plot device. yeah it's a plot contrivance more than anything but it she's she does this more and more as the show goes on and it's just, it always seems really weird to me that's so funny i think i just like fell for it because i was like well now i know what's going on well yeah it, it makes <laughs> a lot of sense in the structure of the episode yeah. any anytime they do it but <laughs> if you if you think about it too hard it doesn't really make any sense stop thinking and then yeah we shouldn't overanalyze what the events of the west wing <laughs> they just needed like a like a serious political plot in this otherwise fluffy episode <laughs> yeah this is the downerest episode they've already like set it up it's like there's dead homeless people and like christmas teenagers so that's what christmas up. is all also, about like non-downery then the president gets a visit from the children <laughs> oh yeah so sweet uh I, well after that they have uh toby on hold with the va and he's just trying to like get some contact information for this person to make sure his family gets notified he's getting frustrated mandy comes in <laughs> she's basically like why do you give a shit about this how do you know him? i don't <laughs> what does it matter don't to worry you? about it what do you need just hang up <laughs> you don't have to do this nobody's telling you to because <laughs> As we established last week, Mandy's very lazy. Right. She's still worried about whether she should have uh, Santa hats and Dickensian costumes at the same time because they might clash. For a lazy person, she's being very like nitpicky about this Dickensian thing. Um, after that, there's Josh and Donna again. Um, Donna somehow knows about Leo already. I think what Margaret told her, it's which I don't. Margaret shouldn't be talking of like that kind of stuff. Margaret's supposed to keep Leo's secrets, and she's telling other people yeah, in the white Josh house points that out right and this she's is like, like but a very she did. serious secret too it's 
like a big deal. And then Donna gets kind of up in Josh's face. What are you gonna do? For the moment, nothing. We're gonna Josh. we're gonna wait and see how. Well, you're gonna wait and see. There's not much else I can do. We'll wait and see. Yes. If one of us was in trouble, he would be the first person. I know. Could you stop looking at me with the face? It's my face. Like I just killed your hamster? She's really insistent that it's the regular face. It was my regular face. But it is not. It's, it's a super sad face. Yes. We know what you're doing, Donna. Puppy dog, Donna. And it's also like Love one of the rare moments, maybe even the first moment in the whole show so far, that she like isn't bantering or kind of being like facetious with him and is just being totally upfront. She doesn't ask about her skis at all in that scene. Yeah. And then uh, then there's CJ and a bunch of kids, and she's trying to, like, wrangle them. Okay, kids, remember the drill. In a big voice, you'll say your name, your grade, and then you'll ask the president the question that you and your teacher have prepared and written down on your index card. And then the president comes, like, swooping in, and uh, he's going to give, like, a little, like, press conference thing like a cute little press conference with all these kids it's adorable yeah uh yeah they ask him total softball questions <laughs> <laughs> well uh, when he comes in he does this thing um which is a thing that people always do with kids i don't know why it's like say the thing you just said but louder oh that sounded pretty weak to me let's try it again Is it is that just like a societal thing to keep, teach kids to talk loud? I don't know. <laughs> it's like I feel speak like they're up. trying to. They just, he's like hype manning them. He's yeah, what's that, like Eric? Them. I can't hear you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like a thing when like it's like oh we gotta applaud really loud so that Elmo will come out. <laughs> oh, the left side of the room. Respond right. now. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies, put your hands up. Yeah. Okay, now you the, say now this, you. I say this. 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 Yeah, this. This. Okay. And then I feel, I feel like it's just a stall tactic so that they're, they're like, oh my sides. God, what yeah. am I going to say to all these kids? Uh, the president uh, then does this little like game with him about how he's the president of insert country that's not America. I am, after all, the president of Bulgaria. No! Now, wait a second. That's not right. I'm not the president of Bulgaria. I am the president of the great kingdom of Luxembourg. That's, that's, that's pretty pretty cute. So uh, and then like this we, we have another subtitles uh revelation here oh, where right. um, so the line is uh I'm the president of Luxembourg. And it looks like maybe I saw this he improvised the Great Kingdom of Luxembourg. It's that Luxembourg <laughs> so propaganda from Martin Sheen. <laughs> yeah. He's in the pocket of Big Lux. And then he takes some questions from the kids. He gives them like really patronizing answers. <laughs> He's like, what's your favorite part of being president? And he's like, this right here. You're Kissing my favorite part. What? That, I don't think that girl that, that would be my favorite part. That girl that asked him the question is like the definition of like precocious kid. She's like she a girl is. with like the most bottle cap glasses. And she, <laughs> she asked is. a She's serious so question of the president of the United States of America, and he just gives her some bullshit response. <laughs> like he does not even care about being here for the kids. Well, she uh, gives like like a press briefing room caliber like prelude to her question too. Like, I'm so-and-so from so-and-so. I'm this years old. She has a really cute name. It's like, I don't remember what it is, but it's a very adorable. It's adorable. And then she's in third grade. It's so great. That would be my favorite part. I don't think he was pandering at all. 
but you know, he really never got a chance to see if the kids in the other room were better. <laughs> yeah, so Charlie calls him away, and then he has this great, great line. He's, Apparently, there's a group of kids in the other room that I might like better. Um, and then uh, Charlie tells him that Lowell Lydell, which is the teenager, uh, died 15 minutes ago. It's like we were so happy and then they just ruined it. Right. Like, ups and downs. At least let me hold on to these like good feels for like at least five minutes. Well, I, I wonder why. I mean, how long is the president really going to be talking to these kids for? Another 30 seconds? <laughs> Another three minutes, maybe? But like, like give could, a- couldn't you wait for it and just like say like, OK, now that you're right. done, now I'm going to tell you and like enjoy your like minute with these kids. Yeah, yeah. You can't do anything about this. There's right no now. presidential. There's no federal authority on this. Right. This is irrelevant. I mean, Charlie did say like you wanted me to keep you in touch in the in the loop. And yeah. then um <laughs> But he died 15 minutes ago. He could have told him like 20 minutes after. Yeah, I know. Um but then the um the president does his uh yeah, he says yeah. That's what he always does and he's like processes something and like compartmentalizes it and then he has to go back and talk to these kids again. Um which has to be one of the harder parts of being president is hearing some especially like pretending you like kids yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or like just you know you have to be up all the time it's like campaign rally time you can't be go be serious like i'm i'm frequently not up for social things oh and, all the time yeah like most Very of the time often. and then like he he hears this like horrible news and it must be like really hard to take because he, he obviously like takes it hard when he hears it and then he's got to go like joke around with kids 15 seconds later it's that's got to be tough. You have uh, to be like so extroverted, I think, to be the president. Like you just have to uh, yeah. really get all your energy from being around other people. It reminded me of the uh, my pet goat thing a little bit. The Bush reading the book when he got told about nine eleven. There's actually video oh, yeah, yeah, of like yeah. the second Bush got told about it, and he he slumps, and then he's like, "Smiles, kids. Uh, let's finish reading this book we were reading." Mm-hmm. It's it's actually. Uh, a weirdly similar scene and i mean it's obviously not 9-11 that happened right. but no no I, i've seen it it's really uncomfortable to watch tough uh, job tough job tough job the president and then um at the end he he goes back to doing his uh his i'm the no he, doesn't he upgrade it he's like he's no longer saying he's the president of thing he's saying he's like the king of england now <laughs> and then he does that weird like ye- yes that he holds at the end what was it again <laughs> Yeah, he does. does. (laughs) That's one of those lines that always sticks with me. It's that one and uh, the you're the man, deal with it, are like the two bad line readings Charlie Sheen ever did on this show. (laughs) Charlie? Martin. (laughs) Did I say Charlie Sheen again? I always say Charlie Sheen. I I would love... I just want to like superimpose Charlie Sheen in all these scenes. It would be so good. Just out of the world. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, how has that not been like an SNL gag? What? To have Charlie Sheen on with, to do the West Wing. <laughs> I don't think Charlie Sheen's allowed on live TV anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean. It's crazy no, that they get good he ratings. is his offspring. It's weird because Martin Sheen is so like distinguished and great. But yeah. I mean, Emilio Estevez is all right. Yeah. He, I mean. He's I don't know what he's, what he's been up to for a while. but Yeah. He yeah. did a good run of it. Or still does. I don't know what he's doing, honestly. Just anyway. collecting those mighty duck royalties. Yeah. Uh, after that, there's a CJ and Sam scene. Um, Sam thinks they should like slow their roll a little bit on the hate crimes thing. Sorry, briefing. 
What'd I do? I'm not sure to put my foot on the gas so hard with hate crimes legislation. First of all, I barely grazed the gas. Second of all, why not? Because we're not quite sure where we stand on this. I know where I stand on this. And then it kind of sets up the argument that is going to run throughout the staff on this thing. Then Sam says his secret service name is Princeton, which uh, is something they already call him. Is it supposed to be like a secret name? Because Toby calls him that already. Oh, Did he say they changed it to that? I think everybody got like a new batch recently. Huh. Like it got a... What would cause them to have to re redo them all? I don't know. <laughs> like I guess you're, no one's people aren't supposed to know about them really. So maybe if it, but no, they tell they say what they are in the press. So because we looked it up, I don't know. It's right, and then CJ talks about how she's gonna go get hers changed somehow. So we never really. That's the end of that plot line actually. But it's, presumably CJ went and had like a weird meeting, and they were like, <laughs> "You don't get a say in this." It's because she knows deep in her heart that flamingo is an excellent, excellent codename. <laughs> It's a weird looking bird. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sam uh, is going is really excited because he's going to take a trip to Bermuda in 27 hours. I guess Sam has no uh, family obligations over Christmas break because he's just go <laughs> taking a vacation. Yeah. Um, but in traditional West Wing fashion, he's so excited about it that we know for a fact that he's not going to go <laughs> like immediately. Uh, then Josh comes up and asks him about the Lori uh favor to see if he can get get some names out of her sam i need to know if she would divulge the name or names of any influential republican members of congress that she might have no way sam, i'm telling you there's no sam, way jo there's, josh there's a uh, sam shoots it down but then he kind of like lures him back over to his side by telling him it's for leo wait sam's an immediate no and, and then once he finds out why an immediate yes yeah. he goes he flips completely as soon as he finds out that this is for Leo, and they repeat, you know, they they owe everything to Leo for whatever reason. Do we know why? Good boss? Cool boss. But I mean, you know, Rob Lowe only has the dialogue that's written for him, and he does a good job transitioning from those two th inexplicable positions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it speaks to Leo. We get a little bit of detail on the Leo thing. He was in rehab. When? Six years ago. He was Secretary of Labor six years ago. Yeah. He was high when he was running the Labor Department. Which I guess we could have probably pieced together before. Uh, so he presumably just disappeared for a month while he was holding a cabinet position. And yeah, nobody weird. asked any questions about it or noticed. Well, they only meet once every six months. So. <laughs> That's true. Well, they also maybe could have said that he had like a medical something or other. And knows? Sam uh, seemed really disappointed in leo I, I don't think he responded well to the him like abusing his power and duty like that um and then he but he says like we're gonna call her and then he's like we'll go see her together which i, I that struck me as a really bad plan because josh is so angry and volatile yeah, <laughs> like that's a very delicate question what could they possibly gain by josh being with, <laughs> right. with him when he right, here's that. a stranger you want to like get <laughs> even more awkward and they're like coming over basically unannounced or very short notice it's yeah like, just leave josh out of it would be the smart thing to do. After that, they show Charlie and Miss Landingham in the outer office. Charlie? Yes, ma'am. It's important you remind the president throughout the day he's allergic to eggnog. Sure. Thank you. That's unfortunate. Is eggnog always an alcoholic thing? No, they have. You have to add alcohol to it. Okay. Yeah. So he's not he's not drinky president that day? What, no. what in eggnog would, I guess, nutmeg? 
eggs, buttermilk. Is that what's in there? I think so. Maybe you could be allergic to nutmeg. But I love the idea that this president just like can't stay away from eggnog. <laughs> no. And he has to be reminded he can't Same. have it. I kind of do that I'm, I'm like slightly allergic to pineapple yeah and i just eat it all the time anyways and just <laughs> oh, like maybe it's high cholesterol can, that could be is it. that an allergy thing though oh did you, you say uh, he's allergic yeah he said he's got to remind him he's allergic to oh. to eggnog maybe they tell him that <laughs> yeah, i mean my parents told me i was allergic to chocolate when i was a kid but they just got annoyed <laughs> whenever i was hyper after eating chocolate <laughs> yeah i can see that it didn't make any for difference like though. years yeah, and as we as we mentioned a little bit earlier, Charlie's really into the the Christmas at the White House. Uh, he goes on about the lights and the singing and stuff. Uh, Miss Landingham is like visibly down about it though, and she opens up pretty quickly. I tend to get a little down during the holidays. I miss my boys. They went off to medical school together, and then they, but they wanted to go where people needed doctors. So they joined up as medics, and four months later, they were pinned down during a fight in Da Nang and were killed by enemy fire. That was Christmas Eve, 1970. And she says a thing. With the noises and the shooting, they had to be so scared. It's hard not to think that right then they needed their mother. How, what? could she have done while they were being shot is she like a secret commando <laughs> warrior <laughs> she's like if only i was there i yeah. could have taken out that battalion i believe it she's like a hard ass so yeah especially uh 40 years ago <laughs> it seems yeah. like there's like a a desire on the part of the writing staff to explore the the theme of survivor's guilt because they did that with josh and his sister and then they just kind of forgot about that and now they're kind of doing it with miss lanningham um but i i guess i just felt like it was really insensitive to have a character named Charlie on like involved in this scene. <laughs> Maybe that's why after she unburdens herself to him, he says, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then exits. Yeah. There's a lot of like, sub, like they don't, they'd rather instead of write an emotional response to something touching, just kind of do the, the shutdown. Like, yes, or oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. I I have some paperwork to do. <laughs> but, uh, that, Good that's to a, know. That's Thanks. a bummer. And th they show Toby. He goes back to the Vietnam Memorial, and uh, he kind of goes up to a guy at like a gift stand or a visitor center or something. And the guy asks him to sign the book, <laughs> the visitor's book, and he's like, "Sure, I'll sign it." Uh, that no, no, no. Uh, and the guys. <laughs> pretty suspicious of toby at first because he's asking like a lot of questions about people that are hanging out around there it's so, like he's basically he's looking for another victim <laughs> and then um toby yeah, you uh, shouldn't have signed that book toby <laughs> that's gonna come back to bite you kill your alibi toby uh assures the guy that he's not a cop because <laughs> <laughs> just like Sam did last yeah, week. Yeah, second episode. It's like I'm not. Why, why are you a cop, man? Even though I work for the guy that runs law enforcement in the entire country. <laughs> um, he, he, but he wins him over. He's like, I'm just trying to help the guy and get, like notify his family. I guess his, he gave up on the phone call earlier. And um, they have a, kind of a a nice moment where they, they, like, he gives him his name and shakes hands, and they look each other in the eyes, and Toby walks away. After that, uh, it's Mandy, Charlie, Josh, and the president in the Oval Office, and the president's talking about how he's going to go book shopping for, for Christmas to buy gifts for people, and Mandy really wants to send some photographers along because she thinks it's going to be like a great photo op, and 
he uh, they have a little bit of tidbit about how he's going to sneak out in an unmarked suburban. And they talk about like underground tunnels out of the White House. Is I that look- a great photo op? Buy- buying book- old books? Look at him. He's just like the weird old <laughs> books guys <laughs> that they buy the old books for some reason and they're yeah, and overpriced. The, and yeah. the books that he uh he ends up buying too are like Le- not particularly interesting bound. books. Yeah. Like buying first all histories is, and... is such a like a not average Joe American thing. Yeah, to it's do. like aristocratic. And she yeah, seems a lot of like so into it. Like it's gonna be so impactful. Well, this is all Manny not. does the whole episode. It's just nagging people. I, I guess shit. no, it's just talk about the books thing. Yeah. She she she's given up her she had her two scenes where she talks about the Santa uh hat. the Santa hats and yeah. the Dickensian stuff. And now the rest of the episode all this is every single thing she says is gonna be about this. Like yeah. they she, I, she, I feel like Mandy really is modeled after like s- like someone Aaron Sorkin used to date and he just hates that person because she cannot catch a break. Like they can't give her this whole entire episode is a, a series of touching character development scenes for everyone in the show, except for Mandy, who's just <laughs> intentionally written to be annoying and superficial. I'd really like to and repetitive, like yeah. check in with Brayden, who was very pro Mandy for like the first few episodes. What are your feelings yeah, now? How you doing on her? Yeah. Still loving her. Look, I think she's really all right. <laughs> okay. Wholehearted defense. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> she's all right. Yeah. She's a strong woman. Oh, my God. You're allowed to, like, dislike her even though she is a woman because there's other women on the show that are excellent. Oh, can I ask you a question, Elise? Yeah. Does your mom know you <laughs> hate women? <laughs> She doesn't, actually. Well, when you tell her, she's going to be personally insulted because she herself is a woman. You got to admit that Mandy is faltering a little in the character development department at this point. He's not going to admit that. Don't tell me what I have to do and what I don't have to do. Like, the most interesting thing she did was give Josh that picture with, like, his face scratched out. Yeah. She had that one episode where she was, like, all about the labor unions and shit. But she was like on the right side of the argument once. And even then it was like just uh, as she was taking a side, it was like they basically just write down the possible positions. And then like, what's Toby going to be for this week? Pull it out of a hat. And Mandy got the good, the liberal position in one week. Yeah. It's like they have like a little speak and spell that determines which <laughs> character has the moral the high ground. The census one she was good in too. When like she, her and Toby sort of tag team the constitutional arguments. Oh yeah. She that was okay was in that good. one. But, like, no. Most of the time, no. I don't like her character. Braided. Thanks for your input. <laughs> uh, but they, they leave it. Uh, they're going to go to a place called Rare Books. And then every, everybody's, everybody leaves and goes it's shopping. a very original name <laughs> for, like, a vintage bookstore. <laughs> yeah, they even make a joke about that. Where are you going? To a place called Rare Books. You know what they sell? Fishing tackle? Funny book. Oh, I, I think we did miss the incredibly amazing line. We I think you mentioned tunnels, but it's it's so awesome when the president's like, Did you know there's an underground tunnel out of here? Yes. I haven't been able to find it, even though I search almost every day. <laughs> oh, actually, there was, actually, that was another subtitle one. The script, the, oh, yeah, the yeah. subtitle thing said, I look for it every day, and he had it almost every day to yes. not make the president seem so <laughs> pathetic <laughs> that he's spending all his time looking for a tunnel. No, but the, like Martin Sheen made the better choice of just like, it's funnier when he's just like, I, I want it out every day. 
okay. <laughs> Have you started watching it with subtitles since the Misty LaGuardia? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I do it just because uh, it's they talk so fast sometimes. Yeah. It's hard to follow. Well, we started watching it with subtitles because we watch it a lot when we go to sleep and we turn the subtitles on and the volume down oh. <laughs> and sort of like essentially read the West Wing until we go to sleep. Yeah, that's good. But then it's always on now. So we just, it's been, then it's really useful because they do speak very quickly and you want to know what all those weird spellings of the character names are. But um, I love that. Huffnagel. Yeah. That, <laughs> like this is the thing now. Everyone should watch the West Wing with subtitles. After that, there's a Danny and CJ scene. Um, Danny knows about the president's secret suburban that he dips out in. And he, he asks her, ask her out one more time. Um, I'm t- over these asking out I scenes. So, I mean, they, they push it forward in this one. Finally, it's like the end of it. But th- they drew this out like one episode too long. Well, the, yeah. look, the, the moral is that like if you just keep pushing mm-hmm. and pushing and, and pushing. Yep. And you hear that, you, fellas? And then you time no. it no, so no, that it's no. like right around Christmas when people mm-hmm. are just really when they're feeling low. And, yeah, they're feeling really and needy, low. Mm-hmm. Like you can you can just like trick trick a lady at work yeah. into dating <laughs> yeah. you no mm-hmm. means maybe later and then the best part is like she she puts a bunch of work into writing down why she doesn't want to date you and then you like kind of make fun of her for doing now it. You're, that's called necking that so is the, right yeah they, they have other thing over they're gonna make lists like that i like the list thing i think that i thought that was really funny but like when I think about it, I'm like very annoyed with Danny and this whole situation. But when I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, Danny's so like charming and sweet. He's a good actor. I don't, yeah. Yeah. This could have. Been, I would like to see someone try to do this character, but like, not in like a sweet innocent way. Like if, even if like if like anyone, if it was me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it would be horrifying. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think like Bradley Whitford could pull off the Danny character, for no. instance. He would and, come like, off as aggressive. Rob Lowe couldn't. None of them really could. Yeah. Yeah. Sam comes up and um, he's really awkward around CJ. What do you and Josh have going on tonight? Nothing. I just meant, did you want to come over for dinner? Oh. Yeah. What did you think I meant? I'm going to Bermuda tonight. He almost gives it away that they're going to go uh, talk to, to her. Uh, and then they finally show the bookstore that they set up. They cut there. And Leo and Bartlett and Mandy and Josh are kind of paired off having separate conversations. The the Leo and Bartlett one I really like. They're super they those guys love each other so much. Yeah. They are best friends. They're like super best friends. Ooh. The Fables of Fedrus, 1886. Fedrus, you know, who was a slave, but later granted his freedom by Augustus, wrote his animal fables in iambic verse. Well, nothing says Christmas like animal fables in iambic verse. That's what I said. <laughs> Which is really good. Um, Josh is looking at, like, well, Mandy is still, like, going on about, like, few photographers would have killed him. Let it go. I'm just saying. I guess they didn't have iPhones back then, but she, she could take out a camera and take some photos if she really wanted to. This is pre-cameras. Oh. <laughs> I think the whole idea here is like Bartlett doesn't want to use Christmas. But he also, I think, doesn't want to use like this experience either. He's using Christmas. Like he's using with the kids, he's using Christmas. That's a photo op. But with yeah. this, it's just like he's but doing something he different. really enjoys and loves. And it's like he's clearly the only person there who really loves this. Maybe also he just like, doesn't want to give away what he's buying people for Christmas. Because <laughs> like, it's going to be on the news and the first lady's going to be like, oh God, he got me an old book again. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> That's probably more likely to be the case. Josh uh, picks up a book. Which, if I was stuck with it on a desert island, I still wouldn't read it. The Adventures of James Capen Adams, Mountaineer and Grizzly Bear Hunter of California. I believe I would eat this book before I read it. Leo uh, gets kind of serious with the president after that. He says that the drug thing is going to come out soon. It's going to escalate. And then he's probably going to have to resign and they should start planning for it. And then Bartlett blows him off again. Still thinks it's going to be fine. Um, that's that scene. That plot line is just bubbling up now for a couple episodes, and we don't really get much more on it this episode. But it, they're like preparing you yeah, for what is to come. Storms coming. And then um, Toby goes to uh, the hobo camp where this guy supposedly stays. And the Would first you say ho- Hoboken, ho- hobo camp, <laughs> which also might be oh, okay. Hoboken. <laughs> That's probably the original root of, of Hoboken. <laughs> <laughs> and then the first person he talks to knows who this guy is. Excuse me. I was wondering if by any chance you know a man named Walter Huffnagel. Walter? Yes. You're looking for Walter. Amazing luck of all the people. He's like, that's that's Huffnagel's brother right over there. Um, the guy he's the guy warns him that his brother is like a little slow and he he goes over and tries to talk to him and tell him and he's a homeless guy he goes on about like the weather and storm systems and stuff in a weirdly inappropriate way walter died last night oh jeez. it was a very cold night yeah because of the northeasterly wind off the chesapeake he tells him the story about the coat and the the guy other guy that comes over and he's like what is, do you just want your coat back is that the problem that, that was the funniest part of that scene maybe the funniest thing in the whole episode actually it's not like a super funny scene <laughs> no <laughs> but the the guy thinks that the guy he's only here because he's like oh yeah this guy just wants his coat back <laughs> i was very depressed during this scene would you guys want a coat that somebody had died in no i'd be a little freaked by it too like Absolutely a homeless man not. I no. wouldn't care. He already gave the coat away. Don't, what if it's like care. a celebrity that died in it? Mm, which celebrity? <laughs> yeah. I have no idea why, but Whitney Houston just came to mind. Yes. Yes. Like, took a strange turn. I, <laughs> I would wear that. Like a sweet leather yeah. jacket. Yeah. That Whitney, Whitney would probably wear tub. fur. Would you wear one of Prince's coats? This is topical. Oh. Something with too soon. Yeah. But, sir, but like he had like really a good clothes. Fluffy neck yeah. type thing. Yeah, I could see you in like a feather boa, Eric. One of one of Prince's robes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like that's a different dead person thing. You gotta think though that one out of five things at any given Goodwill somebody died in. Oh my goodness! I never and thought I about would that. wear pretty much anything out of Goodwill. I would too, but now I might not. I, I'm I question your statistic. <laughs> they should put a different tag on those. <laughs> yeah. A little, a little black dot on the lapel. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the guy gives him. Uh, he's like, I, I, I went to the shelter last night because it was really cold, and I, um, it, they didn't have enough beds for for Walter, and so he must, he slept on the bench, and then he, he died from uh, exposure. Look, this is a failure of government. Yeah, to- that hits home with Toby. Uh, he says he wants to set up a military funeral for him. And I really like the line reading that he had here. Your brother is entitled to a proper funeral with mourners, and, and I think he deserves an honor guard. And you don't, you don't know me, but I'm, in, 
I'm an influential person. I'm a very powerful person, and I, I would like to arrange it. And he's like scratching his head, like I can't believe I'm the guy like saying this, but I need to explain myself here. Um, I, I love that. It was yeah, uh, he delivers that really well. It was great. Um, and then he he wants to give these guys some money, and he like basically like he starts like folding off some bills out of his pocket, and then just hands him the whole thing. And there's another funny line where the guy says, "You're gonna need that for the bus," <laughs> and he tries to give him like two dollars back so he can take a bus back. Again, I wasn't laughing. A lot. I don't know. It's like a homeless dude. Yeah. He's yeah. kind of dumb. You have a dark sense of humor, <laughs> yeah. Eric. But just the, the misunderstanding is funny and on both of those, I thought. Yeah. I like almost cried, but that's whatever. No yeah, it's a serious done. scene for sure. But there's some levity in it. Him, come on. Him saying he needs to get he needs to get home on the bus is supposed to be a joke. Eric. No, I, I don't I think yeah. it is. I think it was. No. To each his own. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> sure okay <laughs> after that there's another cj and danny scene um cj made her list about all the reasons that she can't date danny and they all seem perfectly rational yeah, we've spoken about all of these all of these reasons yeah. yeah and then danny's like i can't believe you made a list i was just kidding about that you should date me uh and then uh leo comes in and cj's first thing is about cj I'm rebuffing his advances leo. whatever oh mm. this is the funniest thing in the episode for Th- me that line well the first thing she blurts out is like don't worry i'm like not giving you we're not doing sex and he's like i don't care yeah he says whatever whatever (laughs) they say whatever a lot like in this show and every time they do it's really funny they're just like i don't give a shit uh leo talks about the hate crimes thing listen dial down the rhetoric on hate crimes would you you told me to float a test balloon float it don't shove it down anyone's throat i don't know which way we're going to come down on this kind of echoes what sam says and they have a a bit of an argument about it like they actually like lay out the positions they have although they don't get the supporting side as we mentioned earlier was like a little light i think i think that's a tough issue well it's it's just the you can have a debate about whether it, there's a meaningful moral difference between intending to like planning out and intending to kill someone premeditatedly or intending to kill someone but motivated by bigotry but is it and, worse and if you're a, like motivated by money or right? Right. right. I, I think that's a legitimate jealousy dispute. or whatever. It's like right. it's like once Hatred. we once we start just down like because you don't like the person. Yeah. Once we start like do d- distinguishing between different types of motivations for doing bad acts more and more and more and more, it just kind of becomes like okay, like but it's still bad in general, right? That's a, a legitimate argument, but it always ends up becoming an argument where typically conservative political view is whoa, 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 we're like crossing the line into this new territory where we examine your intent it's like no that's every single crime there's only one crime that i'm aware of that doesn't actually look to intent and Mm. that is statutory rape oh good one not a good crime to do don't do that (laughs) just a trivia a good trivia that's all not advocating don't yeah i think the uh other thing you would say is Okay, so we're going to give the same punishment, but the person that put this idea into their mind might be like an accessory to it or something. And that like starts to go past that line of like, this is regulating speech because somebody can just say something. But I mean, conspiracy is the act of having a conversation with someone where you encourage them to commit a crime and then you don't even, you're not even there and they commit the crime and now you are guilty of conspiracy too and whatever they did. And then there's felony murder where you can conspire to commit a felony, but you're not there. 
And then in the course of committing the felony, even though their intent was never to kill anyone, someone gets killed, like even one of the members of the, the criminals or a cop or a bystander. And now you are a, cons- a conspirator for felony murder. So there's all sorts of ridiculous things our criminal justice system does to kind of rope people in where their acts are pretty minimal and the main focus is what their intent was or what words they used. And this is nothing new. Hmm. I feel like we need a disclaimer that this is not like legal advice. (laughs) 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 Don't you think? I mean, all I'm saying is like, please don't murder anybody. Hey guys, you can get in trouble for doing things. (laughs) It's for real. Yeah. Well, I think that it's a really good issue. And I think, you know, sometimes when you sort of try to pass legislation, it's even if you don't expect it to get passed, it's important to bring it to the forefront of everyone's minds. I mean, I think that this debate is a real debate that occurred in the 90s about hate crime legislation. But the reason the the side opposing hate crime legislation framed it this way of no thought crime is because they have a constituency that is genuinely racist and bigoted. So they're they're instead of saying like racism and bigotry is bad and let's just talk about the practicality of of deciding levels of of wrongdoing based on this issue, I'm going to kind of implicitly defend thinking bigoted and racist things by yeah, saying I, we shouldn't it's criminalize framed that as a enshrinement of political correctness culture into the law. Yes. Um, after that, there's a Sam and Josh and Lori scene. So they finally, they go visit her. Um, she's like in her robe and just got out of the shower, but I guess she knew they were coming. Um, and she was like, I told you, I only have like a few yeah. minutes. She's really excited to see Sam. Hi. Hi. And then she looks over at Josh and she's like, hi, this is Josh Lyman. Hi. Hi. Oh God, this is not going to go well. Um, she's pretty freaked out. Um, it, there's, everything just goes bad, like from the get go in the scene. And doing what you do in the universe in which you do it, we thought maybe you could. I could give you the name of an influential Republican who likes kinky sex, so you could scare Lillian Field into shutting up. This is for real. This isn't a joke of some kind. And then Josh like completely goes off on her. He calls her a hooker, which Sam immediately corrects because he's very. He calls her. He doesn't say uh, she's a call girl, does he? <laughs> <laughs> in my mind he does yeah. call girl yeah no Josh. call girl yeah it's very important um yeah, it's a thin line she uh she yells yeah, back she's at a hooker <laughs> i don't i mean she's a hooker that's fine well, i'm fine with that yelling it at her that's you know she's a hooker the intent it's about she the sells intent. sex she's a hooker i mean she, but there's that's a di- fine there's it's a fine. difference between I like, like a street walker and an escort yeah one has an answer. We've covered this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We talked about this a lot. Um, you know. But you know, I think it's about the intent. If you if you yell "call girl" at someone or yell "hooker," it's all mean. So I don't. I'm not in favor of meanness yeah. of any kind of anti cruelty specifically. But I just think uh, she's a hooker. Well, in this and that's context, okay. calling her a hooker, a sex worker, not you know, it was supposed to be an insult. Okay. So. Not nice. No, very mean. She yells back at him. Fine, I'll give you a name, and then I'll hop back into the shower, and you can leave the money on the nightstand. How about that? I don't think he meant... Yes, he did! There's a lot of yelling in the scene. Um, and as soon as Josh starts getting yelled at, he, he kind of realizes that he went a little far. In fact, I'm sorry. I apologize. That was very rude. 
he does a very solid apology i think once he realizes he went over the line like he definitely like was an asshole but then he, his his apology is very sincere so nothing really comes out of that big old nothing in that scene but or for that whole plot it, line. Like really well, I thought. Like even though there was yelling back and forth, Lori. Oh yeah, she said it for herself, yeah. Yeah, and she, like I think Sorkin women can sort of not they can be like not the best written characters sometimes. In this show they're generally good, except for Mandy. But she's like stands her ground all the time and is always really calm and collected and really intelligent and I like that they made this character like that. Yeah, you don't spe- usually expect that from a hooker. <laughs> Hooker with a heart of gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't say that. You I'm did. pro hooker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, after that, there's uh, a CJ and Leo scene again. Um, they kind of have the same scene again in a way. They they're arguing about the hate crime bill. Yeah. Um, CJ pushes Leo towards her position a little bit. Like he's kind of open to considering it again. CJ leaves. Sam and Josh comes in, uh, <laughs> and then he he lets it. He's like, I know what you two did. You went and did it. What? Exactly what I asked you not to do. Leo. You saw Sam's friend. How did you know? I had you tailed. You had us tailed? Yes. Which is awesome that Leo has people that'll tail him. Who do you think did that for him? Private, the FBI maybe? Danny. Danny? The, um, <laughs> probably like a, like a teamster friend of his. Could they have <laughs> the Secret Service do it? Like, couldn't they probably. just do that? I bet if Leo asked a Secret Service person, they would do it. Yeah, but because you probably wouldn't who, go off off book with this yeah you do that through back channels back channels um mm-hmm. yeah I, I really like the idea that leo has these like uh these tufts that can follow people around and tail people i was paid to once to be a tail really what? yeah can i was you, working can you say to who yeah i was working for very briefly for a local politician in a state can you say what state? No. Okay. And this person paid me to follow his rival for the seat. And I followed her around all day in a car. And he gave me uh, uh, binoculars and a camera. And what? I followed her around all day. <laughs> what and kind I, of car? I reported. Was it like a van? It was a sedan. This okay. must have been a really poorly funded politician. <laughs> He's still in the, How did he uh, find the state you? house. How did he find you to do this? I was working for him. Oh, okay. I get it. Huh. Did you find anything? Yeah. She went to this restaurant. She was supposed to have this big meeting, and no one was there. That was some good dirt. Was she just, like, eating, like, like overeating by herself? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just, it was an example of how underprepared her campaign was. Huh. That's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I, I can do a tale, guys, if that's something you need. <laughs> Leo uh, scolds Josh and Sam a bit, but then he he appreciates the effort to like the thought behind it in a way, but just basically tells them not to do that kind of stuff anymore. And then he he leaves them of saying, like, I have some more gifts I have to sign. So you guys got to go. Question. What is the Keystone Cops? Keystone it's, cops are bad cops. It's from a West Side Story, I think. No, no. That's Officer Krupke. No, yeah. Is he not a Keystone cop? I believe the Keystone <laughs> cops were their own thing. It's a show called Keystone Cops. Or oh, <laughs> scratch that. <laughs> but Keystone cops, they're like bungling cops. I don't know. They might be Canadian. No, Canadians are very nice. What's Just... Keystone? 
I don't know. Like the pipeline? Yeah, that's the only thing that. Yeah, comes is that like a place? The, oh, oh, it's the cops that patrol the pipeline. It's oh, the pipeline. It's so like a boring that's, show. That's it. <laughs> so Six thousand miles of pipeline, two cops. <laughs> <laughs> um, after that, there's another CJ press conference. She ends it and then is talking to Danny, and then she she kind of like does like a. Uh, bridge troll thing a little bit she's like if you can answer me this riddle you will win the prize <laughs> that you seek <laughs> answer me this and when you do bear in mind there's a lot riding on it on what your answer what's riding on it a date with me fire don't you think imposing additional penalties for hate motivated crimes is a powerful statement by society against intolerance no crime's a crime one murder isn't any better or worse than another why was that the wrong answer she really wanted to go on on the date though so she says that you can take me out tonight and convince me. Um, I was. This is a, episode, a part of the episode where I really wish the West Wing did have like a laugh track or something so that the <laughs> could have come on. It would have been great. Uh, uh, then there's the Josh and Donna scene. Um, she got Josh got her an old book about skiing instead of the uh, the actual skis, and she's kind of down about it. Um, Josh going through the features of the book is pretty great though. It's got a molted calf cover and original drab boards. It's like combed like calf memories. Oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's not. It's like very complicated. It's probably though. very soft though. <laughs> probably. But yeah, she seems like disappointed. I would be disappointed if I wanted ski stuff and all I got was a really old book. Yeah, she wrote a two page note. Yeah. Yeah. He printed. He, he wrote a note inside um, to her. Uh, that's Donna. Donna gets really emotional over it. But I personally, that like really threw me. Like I would never write in an old book like that. <laughs> like that thing needs to be like preserved. I'm like weirdly. Uh, sent, I don't. I don't deface things very much. <laughs> yeah, but like, what if what you wrote is like the best part of that? Well, it seems it was in this case. Right. She's not going to read the actual skiing book. Yeah. And in like a hundred years. It's just like, a, oh, if you think of it as just like a really, really fancy like card, then I guess you could do it. But if what you write is better than the author's own writing. But not even that. You've increased so the value. If a b- book is like valuable because it's like an old relic or something, that's one thing. And there's, if it's like very expensive, then don't write in it. But so my family has a tradition of. This is always, a rare book. Well, <laughs> from the rare bookstore. From rare books. Right. The rare bookstore. Maybe he researched it or something. I don't know if the skiing, like an old skiing book is like a hot commodity or will go for a lot on eBay or something. But it's nice when you have read a book and then like it's just sitting on your bookshelf. But now it's like a nice thing because it has a note from a person in it. So I like never give books to people unless I write something in it. That is like a rule oh, it's like my, passing it on. Yeah, that's like a rule in our family. Like you're this character. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I, I just identify the character yeah. they are. <laughs> uh, yeah, Donna gets Donna gets really like uh, misty about it a little bit, and they have they have a nice moment together. And then she she makes while they're hugging, she says she still wants her skis. Uh, and then uh, well, I, I love her line. She says, "Yeah, you see, you spend most of your time being, you know." you and then you write something like this to me and then as he goes back into his office he he sneaks like a a glance at her which is the most uh explicitly 
romancy I think these two have gotten with each other. He gives her the sex eyes. Yeah, while she's not looking, uh, she's like reading the note again. I can't tell if this was supposed to be romantic or and like sensual, or if it was just like a very sweet, like platonic. Moment. He actually didn't write a note. It was a dick pic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so they whether they wrote it this way and kind of left it up to their performances or not. When they have the hug, you know, Josh kind of like leans like into the shoulder neck mm-hmm. area and like kind of smells or smells just like hair. enjoys the moment a bit. Yeah, I like to do a good smell. Yeah. So I think you ever smell, you ever like smell and it's like, I didn't want to smell that person. I don't want to hug you anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I think definitely at the end when he is staring at. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. (laughs) (laughs) I think definitely at the end when he's like looking at her from across the room, he's like crushing on her. Yeah. This, I think this episode it starts to get the viewer excited about the possibility. Will they? Of that won't romance. they? Yeah. Like that's it. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of will they? Won't they's in this show. There's like CJ. Well, they wrap Danny. one up, kind of. CJ. The CJ one's like moving on to the next phase now, so they have to like start another one because yeah. every TV show needs one romance like this going on. Especially because like CJ, you know, another way to read this episode is like CJ has been rebuffing Danny because she's really had her sights set on Leo. You have plans yet? For Christmas? Yeah. My plan is to do nothing. You want me to come cook you something? Uh, she <laughs> offers to make him dinner. Yeah, <laughs> and he's and like, like, what are you, my wife? You're old enough to be my mother. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, oh, I guess I'll just go with Danny then. I do have to say, though, the way this show sort of hints at romantic relationships is like, I think pretty like subtle compared to shows now. They like take their time with it and it's, now, like when there is a romantic thing happening in a show, it's like three episodes in usually, and you think so- like something is gonna happen or has to, and then they just drag it on. Uh, yeah, I think the fad now is to have two characters that weren't seemingly romantic, like just start making out all of a sudden. Like yeah. the tension builds and breaks in one scene. Yes, and is then it- it's like the awkwardness afterwards. Usually, is it just me, or is there something going on with Charlie and Mrs. Landingham? <laughs> <laughs> She's in the next scene. Yeah. With Toby. Yeah, That's a great is. segue. <laughs> and uh, she's she's kind of scolding him. The president would like to see you. I know. Did you use his name to arrange a military funeral for a homeless veteran? Yes. You shouldn't have done that, Toby. I know. You absolutely should not have done that. I know. They cut to the president in the mural room with Mandy. Um, there's a bunch of boys uh, choir people boy, boys i guess you can call them <laughs> uh they're singing little drummer boy yeah, boys is the preferred nomenclature <laughs> boy boys people. yeah boys boys works <laughs> um she's this is the third scene in a row with mandy now where she's just talking about how she wants the um the wishes they had taken photographs at the bookstore um and the president gives her a deal with it how would it be if i just mentioned no Christmas shopping on your own at a bookstore? Deal with it. I know. <laughs> deal with it. I love when there's a deal with it. I looked up the uh, the Google Ingram, you know, about those. It's like you can search Google Books for like the f- how often a phrase is used. Oh. And I looked up deal with it. And it, it was like kind of in the 60s that it really took off. And then it kind of 
plateaus and it starts to dip again and then like in the internet age it's like off the charts it like <laughs> quadruples yeah so we, we get to deal with it out of that plot line i hope we get to deal with it out of every episode we should like maybe start keeping track of the deal with it deal with it watch yeah um the president walks out of the room to uh talk to toby and uh he basically just says like you know we can't pull strings like this Toby, if we start pulling strings like this, you don't think every homeless veteran will come out of the woodwork? I can only hope, sir. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of the perfect time to fess up about how you lied, said you were the president to yeah. get shit done while the boys are singing the Christmas tunes and it's all very feel good. Yeah, the president gives him a nice uh, pat on the shoulder. He gets called back into the other room by Mandy. And then Toby starts to leave for the funeral. And Miss Landingham says that she wants to come. After that, they cut to the funeral. Um, They keep playing uh, Little Drummer Boy. They just turn it up in the mix. They have the funeral. Four people are attending. It's a random person, um, the brother, Toby, and Miss Landingham. I wonder why that other guy didn't come. Because he knew him. He's a homeless guy. The bus fare guy. He was the guy who was going to get his brother all ready in the morning, though. I mean, he knows the He's guy. He's got shit to do. <laughs> He's a busy guy. Yeah. They start... there, there's a lot more people there, though. The, all the military people? Oh, there's all those guys, yeah. yeah. But well, the, there's, like, four, like, mourners. Are there, yeah. like, wi- women who do that, too? Only dudes can be know. in the honor guard, I, I guess. Yeah, you don't want a woman in there. Mm-hmm. No offense. <laughs> it's not as honorable. Brayden, does, does your, your mom mother know? know? <laughs> Did you hate women? You know, we talk about this a lot. She <laughs> takes it pretty hard. They the soundtrack does this thing where they like do like a mashup almost. So like on like the pops of the drums and little drummer boy they have a gunfire go off and there's a really funny shot um the first time they fire a gun toby's not expecting it and he just like flinches and closes his eyes it's i don't know it's pretty he funny the shit out of that yeah and then um they do the thing where they fold the flag into the triangle and they try to hand it to toby and he doesn't want it and he says to give it to the the brother um and that's the end of the episode I the something about the handing over to the of the flag to the brother like was so upsetting to me, and I just kept thinking this homeless guy is getting this like flag. What's he gonna do with it? Right, use it as and a blanket or something. Like go back to it, yeah, the bridge bl- area and be homeless. It's a fine blanket. So, this is a dick move by Toby, because. Hmm. Hmm? Now all of these poor people in the honor guard are away from home on Christmas freaking Eve. Yeah. Fucked up. They could just wait a couple of days to do the funeral. So it's not Christmas Eve. Maybe they're Jewish. That's what I'm saying. Like Toby, just because Toby's Jewish doesn't mean everyone's <laughs> Jewish. Classic penguin. <laughs> <laughs> the credit shot is um, a shot from like the mashup that they mix in of the choir where it's everybody else forms a line in a weird way they like step one by one next to the president and so there's like seven of them in profile and that's the shot they picked for the credits it's it's all right it's a good one this week oh it's an acceptable one i want to point out that the the jewish characters in the show make a point of telling leo that they're going to be at work on christmas and that's always like a like a funny like move that jewish people can make where they're just like hey boss well, leo's gonna be at work on christmas too right well that's because that's the thing but they're like mm, yeah i'm gonna be at work too I'm stuck here 
Lol, so, JK. We killed your Lord and Savior. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know this is a, a difficult one because it's such a downer, but uh, let's we got some headlines for this week. This was so Yeah, difficult. there were no heads At, that well, I wanted to have. Well, there's on. no there's no news. So part of the rules of the headlines game is there's supposed to be things that were externally newsworthy and this happens over what a day and a half and the books thing like explicitly doesn't get out like that's mandy's whole plot this episode the T- the toby thing is kind of minor there's there's no news in this episode really i had it on the books because because danny knew I, that's what i yeah. wrote on and and mandy would have leaked it probably yeah, she leaked i had a feeling she she'd leak it and i also did like a christmas Christmas. Okay, so what 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 no, are wait, the books ones? No one took on the challenge of making jokes about hate crime legislation. Mm-mm. No, <laughs> did you? No. I couldn't. I did have one about the funeral. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. Good one. It's, yeah, um, that's good. It's twenty one bum salute. Ooh, nice. That's, that's really good. No. A uh, White House abuses power to yeah. have funeral for mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, that's a good angle. <laughs> yeah. we, we would do that. <laughs> Um, so I, yeah, to the books, you know, like, uh, <laughs> I called him, uh, Booker D. Washington. Because <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> he likes books and he's a, a wa- um, I called him, you know, commander in chief of paper, Sheath? which our what? books are made of sheaves, sheaves, sheaths, sheaf, sheaths. I didn't say it was good. He's a sheaf exec, you know, a sheaf. <laughs> Yeah, um, or you know, reader of the free world, or yeah, this is a bad, bad ones. You will love this book because Yule oh. is Christmas. <laughs> I'm done. No that more. The no only more. book when I had um, is assuming Mandy kind of complains to the press about it is book sore, <laughs> bookstore trip right. <laughs> White House press liaison or whatever. Um, wait, do you, does anyone have any more book nope. ones? So I have one about um, like if they did the the Santa hats with the Dickensian costume. I was trying to come up with one for this. Okay, one. I only have one for this, and it's Dickensian around, like Dickin around, <laughs> Dickensian around. Wait, say, say mm, do it. Can, do it again, can, like slower. Around. They were the best of hats. <laughs> <laughs> That's much better. It's still hard. bad. And then I had another one. If like, so, um, like if Al Roker was too skinny to play Santa, and everyone was really disappointed with that. Um, so you know, Santa Con is that like horrible? Yeah, thing really that happens here in the city where everyone dresses as Santa. So I have Santa Con artist. Al Roker plays oh, skinny Santa. Nice try, because he's black. <laughs> no, because he's oh, skinny. <laughs> okay. You know, referring to the tunnels underneath the White House. Oh, <laughs> POTUS AWOL. <laughs> Found antiquing in Georgetown. <laughs> Bartlett declares himself president of Western Europe. <laughs> uh, and then referring to the Lori plotline. Uh, bipartisan support for DC Madam. <laughs> I do have one more, but did you go did you for it? it? No. So, uh, powerful administration Jews hold secret Christmas meeting at White House. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That's all I've got. Okay. Good. Okay. Final thoughts. 
I kind of give this a meh mm, swing. Yeah. Like, meh. This is like an Adam West wing. <laughs> <laughs> it was like cheesy and like not so good. Yeah. I sort of, I, I have really high expectations for a Christmas episode. Like, really. Of any show? Yeah. I expect to have the feels. and. That's a very uh, like British sentiment, is that the Christmas episode's always got to be a banger. That's true. And like a self-contained kind of not entirely pl- plot altering. Yeah. Right. It's in my blood, in my heritage, that I expect a good Christmas episode. <laughs> so I was well, Maybe really... you should pay your TV tax. <laughs> well, okay. So <laughs> anyway... I I was sort of disappointed with that and it was a huge bummer but there were moments where I you know I thought it was like good so it's not worst wing but you know and like my emotions happened for parts so but other than that I was kind of like I feel like I'm just waiting for the next episode which is probably I think it's pretty excellent so I would I would almost like I as like pure as a episode of a drama tv show I think it's pretty good like you know met met plus uh best minus but like as an episode of the west wing it's pretty meh that's yeah. weird but accurate yeah well, yeah like it's just, a good episode it's, it's, it's just, just like it's a little off point but it's like it's obviously like it's well executed for what it is it's just what it is is not a very west wingy thing right so that this on that note this won an emmy which we were talking about earlier. Oh, yeah, it did an Emmy. That's uh, Rich, Richard Skiff won it for uh, the, like... And they won it for writing. For this. the writing of this, this episode. This episode won a few different awards, I think, um, for writing. Or was he nominated for... Did he win one for this episode? I don't yeah, remember. This, this, this Is one, it Schiff or, or Skiff? I don't know. I always say Schiff. I always never I'm, said I'm that before, because I don't know who that is. Um, Toby won an Emmy. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. He wrote he this? He won an Emmy for uh, his acting in this. Yeah. And then also, what is it? Best supporting actor in a drama. Yeah, yeah, outstanding supporting actor in a drama series, and then also this episode won an Emmy for outstanding writing for a drama series. I'm surprised you went with drama, considering how funny you thought this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, especially the depressing homeless part. Um, You're gonna need that money for the bus. (laughs) You don't live around here. (laughs) See, it's funny because you're rich, and I'm dying in the street. It's it's probably because of the north wind blowing in from the Chesapeake. Because he has mental problems. Yeah, I I, I don't like the way that they um, almost all TV shows do this of like weird homeless guy. Like the the guy and the wire in the last season is almost the same character in a little bit. Like a like autistic homeless guy is like a trope almost, mm-hmm. yeah. and his brother falls pretty hard into that. Yeah, yeah, it's true. it's like easier to not. Like, have someone who's fully aware of how shitty it is. Also, I think a lot of homeless people are crazy. And Maybe. Have, and have problems. Mental, Possibly. Mental issues. That's why they're homeless. I don't know. Yeah. No, I do. That's okay. why I'm saying it. Okay. Um, I also read a funny thing on the Wikipedia about how uh, when they won the Emmy for this. For is this writing. like hate crimes funny? No, not hate okay. crimes funny. This is like like a behind the scenes little fun fact. Um, the two guys that wrote it, so one was Sorkin and the other Rick one. Rick Cleveland. Yeah, Rick Cleveland. So they they both won the award for the outstanding writing. <laughs> That's pretty funny that the one episode that Aaron Sorkin has a co-writer for is the one he has to split the Emmy with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then he's the sole writer on like ninety nine percent of every other episodes. They had they an argument broke out between the two of them on an internet forum, 
uh, because Cleveland claimed that he, the idea for this episode was his, particularly about the Korean War veteran, because I think his father was a veteran too. And so this he wanted to be able to, you know, honor his father in acceptance speech for it. And Sorkin didn't give him the chance for that. So they had a falling out over that. But then they made up. <laughs> not in the spirit of Christmas, Sorkin. No, not in the spirit. I think this was uh, Sorkin's uh, on the drugs era. Yeah, well, Sorkin even accused him of like, he was like, this is not your idea at all. <laughs> so this, this is the era where Sorkin was writing this and Sports Night at the same time. Mm. Every episode, he was writing every episode of two network TV shows. Wow. <laughs> simultaneously. And they were both great. Yeah. Very prolific era from this guy. There's good stuff in this episode, and I think the Miss Landingham stuff is very uh, informative of her character. Like, there's there's good moments, yeah. but it's... I'd love to fall asleep to this episode. Yeah. I'm going to say... It's very sleepy. This is a great sleep episode. Yeah. Like, for while you're asleep. Until the gunshots <laughs> at the end. Oh, true. True, true. I mean, that's still not as jarring as the... At the end of every episode. It always wakes me up. But I'm going to say this episode's a love crime. What? This episode is a love crime. What does that mean? Explain yourself. Like, it's like so, it's like kind of like bad, but it's, it just really means well. Mm, it has good intentions. It's the opposite of a hate crime. You think it's a bad episode? It's, uh. On the scale. So just so we have a baseline. Yeah. You know what? Actually, it's not, it's not bad. Meh? Meh swing? No, it's, it's, it's between um, a meh swing and a best swing. Oh. I think because it's better the second time you watch it in one day. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, so, we only okay. watched it once. Okay. What episode was it recently that was like a, a fluffy episode where it was just like character development? That was it's the two episodes ago. The I think. Sam birthday card episode. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So if if it hadn't been for that episode, this would have been like birthday message. A great, uh, yeah, a great episode because it's like oh, let's take a break from the severity of things and and get some character development. But because we just had that episode, and that episode was like maybe better at doing character development, and they wanted to yeah ramp up the non fluff. Like this is a, this is not a fluffy episode. Like it's fluffy in the only in the respect that it doesn't impact the plot much. What but I mean it's is, like a heavy episode. What I mean is the goal of the writing in this episode is not to explore issues. They get into a little hate crime stuff a little bit, it's but yeah. very super... Fa- I mean, the real goal of this episode is like character development, like mm-hmm. how we're going to take these characters and flesh them out. Look and how I much think, Toby knows about the military. Yeah, or just... The, the problem with this episode is it's it relies too much on romantic subplots. Yeah, we get two of them in this episode. Yeah, there mm-hmm. are... There are kind of conflicts, like moral dilemmas, I guess. Do, are the Democrats going to be the bad guys and and you know fight as dirty as the republicans and i think they kind of drop that thread after yeah that, that plot lines of nothing and then it, yeah. they completely sort of fizzles missed out. an opportunity here with the hate crime to explore that in in a, a more a humorous be- way <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely in a, in a better way and more thorough i think instead <laughs> of like emotions versus not emotions that's kind of what it boiled down to okay you guys got anything else uh just to say that uh, the keystone cups performed with comedians including Fatty Arbuckle. <laughs> <laughs>